TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Welcome to the Bike Nerds Podcast. This is episode 79. For over 25 years, Saris has been designing and manufacturing bicycle parking and infrastructure products to help cities, neighborhoods, businesses, and schools become more bike friendly. This week, Saris is proud to feature the wonderful work of Bike Nerds own Sarah Studdard. The group explore bike share and her dedication to mobility and equity focused bike share in Memphis. To read more, check out sarahsparking.com slash bike nerds. Again, that's sarahsparking.com slash bike nerds. Hello, fellow bike nerds. I'm back. Kyle is still not here. He's still in Spain. I don't know what's going on. It also is strange to read the fantastic intro by Sarah's Cycling Group in third person. But I do encourage you to check out the blog. I share Explore Bike Share's history and story, my perspective on what bike share could mean for Memphis. And I think that's a pretty good read. I may be biased because I wrote it. But thank you for Sarah's um, for giving bike share systems like Memphis, as well as I know Minneapolis and some other cities, the platform to share their stories around how bike share is transforming their city. It's also really good timing because we're still in the bike share theme that Saris is supporting us through creating content on their own. So thank you, Saris. It is a rainy day here in Memphis. I hope to bike later, even if I get wet. It is fall here in Memphis as well. If you've been following Explore Bike Share, you know that we have been in the process of searching for an executive director and are looking to launch officially in March or spring of 2018. That's actually March or April, not March or spring of 2018. And so it is a really exciting time to be in Memphis, and I cannot wait to announce who the executive director will be to guide and be a revolutionary in Memphis and help transform that that organization and nonprofit to be even better than it already is. And I think it's pretty great already. This week, we have Zoe with People for Bikes. She manages not only grants through the Better Bike Share Partnership, but also community grants. So she, I think, has a really amazing, enviable job where she helps fund cities that are interested in putting down mountain bike trails or, you know, trails through a park. And she's also helping to support community engagement and equity focused programs and bike share systems all across the country. And it was also, I think, fun for Kyle to speak for Kyle because him and Zoe share an office. So he got to sit down to a human, which, as you know, we always enjoy. So I'm going to ramble, even though I bet I could ramble a while. I do now realize why it was probably interesting for Kyle to talk for 10 minutes when he hit a monologue by himself. But I'm keeping mine to about two to three minutes in respect for everyone involved, as well as myself. So let's hit it. Enjoy. 
So Sarah, I've been working here at People for Bikes for just over a year now, and I'm excited to bring to the podcast uh, a longtime collaborator, somebody that I was working with when I was still working in the city of Memphis, uh, but now my colleague and coworker here at People for Bikes, someone that you know as well, Zoe Kirkus. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Kyle. Hey. So tell me more about Zoe and Kyle's origin story. I didn't realize this. Well, I mean, when the city of Memphis was a part of the Green Lane Project, uh, we were we received a number of small grants to help us with a variety of things. And, and Zoe here is our community grants manager. And so that's what she, that's what she actually does on a daily basis. Long before she got involved in bike share, she was just in charge of making communities happy by giving them money. It's a great job to have, just passing out the dollar bills, you know? That's that's what I do. That's a dream job of mine. But I don't know if you remember Kyle, uh, our actual interaction began when the Funders Network for Smart Growth and Livable Communities was having their annual conference in Memphis. And I'm trying to remember what year that was, maybe 2012 or 2013. Mm -hmm. And we decided we wanted to have a mobile workshop. Um, They invited uh, suggestions for mobile workshops. And so you and I collaborated on a a submission to them to have a... um, a bicycling workshop to kind of showcase what Memphis was doing in that area. Yeah, we we had just come home from our first study tour to the Netherlands, and we we did collaborate on that workshop. It was like a bus tour mm-hmm. of Memphis. Yeah, yeah. The, Sarah it was a bus tour of all the biking things. <laughs> well, no, we we took the bus to the start, but then we got those people out on bikes. We did, yeah. We oh. we rode down um, Broad. Oh, yeah. We stopped a couple places. So, so yeah, and that would have been long before anything got built in Memphis as well. It was kind of the early stages. <laughs> yes, it was kind of like there's where some infrastructure is going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was good. It was good. I remember, though, we were ride, driving along in that bus, and there was uh, a bike lane, and I made the mistake of asking you, so why are 30 people riding on the bike lane? And my boss at the time, Bruno Meyer, yelled at me afterwards <laughs> for pointing out to people that nobody was actually in the bike lane. And so I learned my lesson from that and, and never pointed out the lack of bicyclists on the road. Well, I think, you know, Sarah was working for Broad Avenue Arts District at that time. So if I had to go back, I would say it's Sarah's fault for not getting people, her constituents, out on bikes. Yeah, you should have told them there's a bus full of funders going to be riding by, you know, do a circuit over and over on that bike line. Well, you know, Kyle and I didn't speak at that time. We just attended meetings together and ignored each other. So I probably wouldn't have even known you guys were there. You know, I also remember that that bus tour. It was a super friendly group of people. Mm-hmm. I remember somebody asked me the question, what would I be doing if I wasn't, like, doing the bike stuff for the city? I think they meant it as a compliment, sort of like, uh, you're doing a really great job at this tour, and you love bicycle stuff. And I think I told them, I remember telling them that I would have a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> That if, if somebody would just pay me, I would just podcast about Star Wars all day long. 
Yeah, I can see that, actually. I'm surprised you don't. I uh, see you sitting over there on your little desk, and we don't really know what you do, so for all I know, <laughs> there it is. But Sarah, so you've come to know Zoe, though, through her work with the Better Bike Share Partnership, right? That is correct. And Zoe, why don't you give us like a five-second rundown of or longer, of what the Better Bike Pair, Bike Share Partnership is. Because n- a number of our guests that we've already had on the segment talking about Bike Share have brought it up. They've brought you up. There's been multiple shout-outs to Zoe Kirkus um, on the podcast so far. That's great to hear. Um, so I, it'll take a little longer than five seconds, but I'll try to keep it really brief. Uh, we began this road on this road about three and a half years ago uh, when we started conversations with um, some folks at the city of Philadelphia. And at that time, Philly was planning on uh, introducing bike share, as so many cities have done. But they wanted to do something a little different. They wanted to integrate equity uh, efforts into bike share from the beginning. They know that they are a majority-minority city, that they have a large number of people who live below the poverty line, and they wanted to make sure that those folks were going to be included uh, in any bike share system that they launched. And so uh, somehow, and I'm not sure exactly how, they got connected to folks at the JBB Foundation, which is a family foundation headquartered in New York City, and started talking to them about whether they'd be interested in in funding the uh, equity components of this new bike share system, Uh, funding stations located in low-income neighborhoods, uh, funding some uh, outreach and engagement education efforts, um, specifically funding efforts to find a cash payment option, which no bike share system had successfully done up to to that point. And so um, the JPB Foundation was really interested in this, but they're like, hey, we're, we're okay with this, but we wanted to have a national component as well. We don't want to just fund something in one city. We wanted to, to go national. So they brought in us, uh, People for Bikes, and they brought in um, NACTO, the National Association of City Transportation Officials, uh, as two national organization. And NACTO is going to be charged with kind of creating a guide because that's what they do really well is pre- creating technical guides about the learnings from this. And And then our role uh, was to administer a grant program, primarily, uh, because we had this experience in awarding grants. So um, they brought us in, and through us sort of partnering on this proposal with JPB, we decided we wanted to have some additional pieces. We wanted to have um, some storytelling and communications, because we learned from the Green Lane Project that it's really important not just to do the work, but to, like, spread the word about the work and to tell stories about what was happening in cities so that other cities could learn from them. So we incorporated that piece. We added money for a research um, grant uh, so that we could fund some research into the uh, equity and bike share area. And um, we ended up, we none of us really wanted to have a national conference, but somehow it got thrown out there and the funder was really interested in that and said, oh yeah, national conference. And so we we're like, oh, we, we don't really want to do a national conference. So it's going to cost this much. And they said, fine. And we're like, oh, We have to do a national conference. It ended up being a great thing, but it was a lot of work. So we ended up kind of um, um, being in charge of that budget as well. So... Uh, so Better Bike Share uh, launched in July 2014. Um, I would say that Philly was sort of our learning laboratory. They they did a lot of um, work kind of introducing some different strategies, um, you know, and refining, like 
kind of going back over and over and saying, okay, that didn't work so well. We need to we need to revise that a little bit. Um, they also were key in finding a great option for cash payment because, like I said, nobody had really done that very well. Um, so they were the ones that initiated uh, the partnership with Pay Near Me, um, which allows people to pay cash for like utility bills at Seven Eleven stores or Family Dollar stores. And so they were able to kind of switch that over and use it for bike share uh, membership payment. Um, and then B-Cycle, which is the, um, the system that Philly uses, actually then integrated into their back end so that other cities with B-Cycle systems could use that payment option. Um, so we did it for three years. We gave out more than a million dollars in grants to cities um, piloting their own equity strategies. Uh, we had ongoing cohort calls, you know, uh, brainstorming with each other, supporting each other. Um, we had two rounds of grants, so two groups doing that. Uh, we awarded a research grant to Portland State University to look at bike share and equity, and they just released those results last summer. We held our national conference in Philly in 2016, um, and then we went back to the funder this past year and asked if they would renew, and they said yes. So uh, we are just renewed for two additional years of funding. Um, and really our focus, I would say, over the next two years is, um, to my mind, institutionalizing equity efforts, reducing barriers to access in, of bike share by um, low-income communities and communities of color. Uh, so making that not just a nice-to-have, but an essential part of any bike share system that launches, uh, and um, really addressing some of the institutional and structural racism that happens in city governments to tr- in the hopes that some of the things we're doing through bike share then trickles up into other parts of city, city work. So it's not just, oh, we're equitable over here in bike share, but uh, it hasn't really reached into other realms. We're, we're really, uh, not that many cities aren't working on this because they are, uh, but we think that some of the learnings from um, this grant-funded work can have effect in other places within cities as well. Zoe, with your work before bike share, um, what was your perspective on bike share and how it kind of influenced cities? And has that changed now that you've been kind of behind the wheel of helping fund bike share systems across the across the country for the last three years or so? Yes, definitely. I think before I, you know, running a community grants program, we would occasionally get requests from um, bike share systems to support like a new station or, or maybe to support some programming. But we never really funded those. It just seemed like kind of a drop in the bucket compared to, to their needs. We did always include um, Nice Ride, Minnesota, which is uh, one of the early adopters of bike share in um, Minneapolis. St. Paul, actually throughout Minnesota, because they're a statewide uh, bike share system, but they only operate in a few few places. Um, we would always include them in our study tours, which we used to do domestic study tours. I think maybe we will be doing some again, maybe. Um, and we used to do study tours uh, to Minneapolis, and part of that was always riding on the bike share system and kind of introducing that as one component of a city being a, su- a successful biking city. Um, so I had kind of that interaction through through that experience of going on those, um, those trips, uh, but I didn't really... You know, I have a bike, so I didn't use bike share locally, even when it came to Boulder. I'm embarrassed to say that. I'm sorry. Um, um, and I didn't really use it much, even when visiting other cities. I'm, I'm kind of a walker and transit user. And so, um, 
riding in a new city is, I will admit it, a little intimidating to me if I'm not with somebody who's going to kind of take me along with them through the through the good parts and, and the safe parts. So I didn't have a lot of experience with it, but I definitely had the impression, as so many people do, of it being a system that's mostly used by um, young, white, male hipsters wearing skinny jeans and floppy hats. I, I did have that view of it. So, um, and I think a lot of people do, and a lot of people like look at that user, that ridership, and think, oh, that's not something really for me. I don't see anybody who looks like me riding on bike share, and so why should I try that? And then you check out the cost. I think when my family and I went to New York City a couple of years ago on a on a family trip, and we looked at using city bike for a day, and for a family of four to use it for a day is kind of pricey, especially when we'd invested in getting, you know, week-long transit passes um, so we could ride the subway. We were like, well, are we going to kick in another 50 bucks just to be able to ride city bike around? And um, we're frugal, so we didn't do that. So um, I hadn't really experimented much with it myself. So I will say that since embarking on this, I've ridden bike share in many more communities than I ever had before um, and definitely have you know, gained some insight into what makes for a comfortable ride, both uh, on the street and in the, act- the actual bike, you know, what bikes are more comfortable and kind of what amenities you want on a bike. Like, does that basket work better or does that little funny uh, area with the strap that goes over the front, you know, is that very helpful? Um, as different uh, cities, you know, adopt different types of bike styles. So, um yeah, you know, uh, then you get to you know you get to be an expert where you're like judging it. You know, you're like, oh, that one's pretty good, and I don't like that color. And you know, why did they go with that logo? And you know, you become like this um, bike share snob. But um, uh, definitely, you know, thinking very critically whenever a new system is starting to launch. You know, I look at the checklist of what they're going to include in it. And to me, for sure, and I'm sure I'm just in the weeds on it. I look at everything they're doing to attract somebody besides that young white male hipster who was my vision of who used it like what are they doing to attract women what are they doing to attract people who are not super fit what are they doing to attract people who don't have a credit card who don't have a smartphone who um, may not ride very often so uh, definitely that's become part of you know my view of bike share and of the systems and I still see many systems that um haven't really thoughtfully examined their own marketing uh, materials to see who they're portraying on their materials. Um, and, and for good reason, many aren't thinking a lot about where their stations are citing. I mean, they, they think a lot about station citing, and yet it's still within the realm of kind of a certain geographic kind of area um, instead of thinking about how they might... Um, move outside of that geographic area, even if not in the first round, you know, in subsequent expansions, kind of really thinking that through. So it's been interesting. And then now with the um, explosion of dockless bike share systems kind of coming on, that's like a whole other other issue that um, we're looking at. So lots of interesting things in the bike share world. Zoe, when you look at the work of the Better Bike Partnership and kind of your initial kind of goal to focus on understanding barriers to use of bike share, in low income um, and communities of colors, as well as understanding that institutional and systemic racism kind of has a part of that. Like why bike share? Are there other examples of transportation models or um, other sort of bike trails that are looking at equity in this super focused way? Um, 
I guess I, I always ask kind of, you know, why is bike share so focused on equity? That's really interesting that you say that because back when we first engaged in this partnership, you know, among us, we thought, well, you know, if you're going to pick one thing to um, start to address equity issues around bicycling, would we pick bike share? Like, why, mm-hmm. why are we picking bike share? <laughs> and I will say that we didn't really pick it. Like, I did not pick bike share. And yet, um, I think that it's been kind of useful in that it is very discreet, very specific, um, kind of in the way the Green Lane Project just picked protected bike lanes. Like, we're just doing protected bike lanes. That is all we're doing. We love the paths. We love the mountain bike trails. We love the bike parks. We like the BMX tracks. We are focusing on protected bike lanes. And that focus allows you to just really go deep and go specific. And so kind of in the same way, I think bike share has actually been a pretty good model because it did have that, you know, that um, uh, generalization about who used it um, that you could extend to all of bicycling. Um, but it, it was specific and it was focused. You know, would there be some better things? I don't know, better, different, for sure. Um, But I don't think in the end that it's turned out to be such a bad pick as far as introducing a new mode of transit or transportation into a city. Like, as, as many cities have observed or city leaders have observed, there's not very many times in a city's history where it gets to introduce a whole new mobility option um, to its residents, um, you know, a new bus system, a new light rail system. I mean, that doesn't come along every day. And so introducing bike share in some cities offered a whole new opportunity to hopefully get it right in terms of who they were making this um, this means of transportation available to and, and how they were doing it. Um, and And so, you know, we've worked pretty hard on making certain things just an absolute requirement, like, um, you know, making sure that cash payment is an option, making sure that you don't have a smartphone, um, making sure that uh, you're really reflecting uh, the people that you want to ride in all your marketing materials. Um, These are some basics that I think every city should be able to adopt. So, um, I don't know if that's really answering your questions. I, I agree that maybe bike share, you know, was it the best? I don't know, but it's what we got and we went with it. And I think it's been pretty successful. And that's me being, you know, playing devil's advocate because <laughs> I obviously support an equitable um, system. I just always think it's fascinating when you kind of look at it from 10,000 feet. Yeah. I wonder, Sarah, if, you know, we, Zoe, we found this commonality in all of our bike share guests thus far is that none of them actually were participating in the bicycle space prior to launching or running a bike share system. They've, they've all come from private sector jobs or other public sector jobs to sort of come into the bike share space. And they seem to be in some ways like new to write to bicycling. And so these decade-long conversations that have been building over time around equity within bicycling are not a part of the nomenclature or the discussions they're having. It's also not a part of maybe the directive they've been given in launching a bike share system, right? A lot of these are sort of privately funded or funded heavily utilizing, you know, downtown business district money or other things. And it feels like it feels like in some ways the equity discussion in bike spare in, in bike share was really timely because 
we had this whole new cohort of leaders in the bicycling world who hadn't previously been exposed to that. I think that's right. And I think that, um, I don't know if you'd agree with this because you were in kind of the bicycle advocacy world for a long time, Kyle, but it was viewed with maybe uh, a certain amount of distrust by people who are longtime residents in that bicycle advocacy world of like, oh, yeah, bike share. And now you're getting on this whole thing. We've been trying to make uh, bike bicycling uh, more diverse for decades and haven't had any success or have had limited success. That's the perception. I don't know that that's actually accurate. But um, and then on now bike share, you're really focusing on this. Um, and then talking to other people who have a background more in social justice issues, who kind of became engaged in biking or biking and walking because they saw that this could be a response or a, um, I don't want to say a solution, but one piece of uh, getting people engaged in their communities that could respond to some of those social justice issues that they're working on and could be a way of uh, engaging kind of more organizations that have been working on food deserts, have been working on um, crime and violence, have been working on uh, community um, vibrancy and engagement, and they could kind of take bike share and add that to uh, the, the puzzle, you know, of things that might respond to those issues. So it's not that we think that bike cycling or bike share is the solution to all those problems, because it's not, but can it, can we have a part in the conversation? Can we have a seat at the table and say, hey, but people need to get to jobs, they need to get to education, they want to get to the park, they want to go out and enjoy themselves with their kids, and those eyes on the streets kind of creates that um, vibrant community that that is part of of the solution to these other ills that plague neighborhoods, and so maybe this can be... um, part of the solution. And what we're also seeing in a number of communities is that some of the funders are actually organizations that don't fund bicycling or biking and walking or bike share traditionally, but they fund access to green space or public spaces or access to parks for kids. And they say, oh, well, when you, you know, the kids have bikes and the parents don't have working bikes. So um, they're not utilizing this park that's you know, a half a mile away because it's too far to walk to. Um, And, you know, but we want to get those families out to these areas and utilizing these green spaces and outdoor outdoor places because we know it has many, you know, health benefits, community benefits, et cetera. So um, we'll support the bike share because that will give the parents a working bike to go for a bike ride with their kid to that green space. And that's what we're supporting. So it's kind of like that couple steps removed, but those um, funding organizations are starting to, to make that connection, which is really really great um, because as we know from the bicycling world you know bicycling can address a lot of ills it doesn't it's not the silver bullet it's not going to fix everything but wow it gets at health it gets at um, transportation it gets at uh, recreation it gets at community engagement um, it you know I'm preaching to the choir now I could uh, name all the ways in which bicycling is good for um, your body and your community and your city Um, but uh, it's interesting to see these groups are kind of getting on the bike share wagon who I don't think would have gotten on the bicycling wagon if you forgive that mixed metaphor Hmm, that's interesting you know one thing that we've been hearing from our guests so far is it feels very much like the better bike share partnership 
equity playbook is in full effect in cities, right? Nobody, nobody's talking to us now about not offering a cash payment option. They're all talking about community-based ambassador programs in their, in their community. So it, it feels like in a very short period of time, many of those piloted activities have now become very mainstream. And I, I'm curious to know from your perspective, what's next in the in the equity realm like like if if we've sort of have identified those as big challenges and we figured out ways to address those and they've become adopted as a norm within bike share operations what's next in the equity implementation party oh wow that's a that's a good one um well I want to be cautious to not toot our own horn too much and say, oh, well, we fixed all the, the low-lying fruit. You know, we, we got all that. You know, we got your equity. Uh, you got your ambassador programs, and we got your cash payment and everything. These things continue to come up, even if most cities now acknowledge that they have to have them. That doesn't mean they actually have them. You know, I am still, I'm actually reviewing right now our um, letters of interest that were submitted for our third round of uh, grants for the Better Bike Share Partnership. And I'm still seeing systems that are either planning launch or have already launched who are saying, yeah, we need to look at cash payment. We need to have something there. Um, So they know they need to do it, but that doesn't mean they actually have a plan to do it. Um, I still hear from groups that complain about the marketing um, materials of some bike share systems that still have not gotten that memo that they need to show people of color in their pictures if you want people of color to ride your system. If you want people who are not um, skinny and 25, you need to show some people who are not skinny and over 50. So so I just want to be cautious that just because people know what to do doesn't mean they're doing it. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, still, it's a money thing, and still there's you know a lot of reasons to keep doing what you've been doing instead of doing what you know you ought to do. I mean, yeah, I could go into a lot of examples on that. Um, so, But what are the next frontier? I think uh, it's also acknowledging that even in cities where they have uh, a system that may have reached into a number of low-income communities and communities of color, they're certainly not reaching every low-income community and not every community of color. And the, sometimes they just decide, um, you know, and it has to do with the density of those neighborhoods and their access and, and how quickly you can expand your system. But there are still some many communities who need access to a reliable and low-cost transportation options who are not getting it and and there's no plans to expand it to them so that's why you know i brought up the issue of dockless bike share systems and we've all been a little freaked out by this whole dockless bike share system explosion and how it will affect the existing dock based systems uh and yet i am seeing a number of um community groups who are applying for our grant saying we have to be talking to these guys because uh the existing bike share system is not coming to this neighborhood anytime soon and does that mean that that community just needs to go without um, and we don't think that it does. So we need to come up with a solution based in our neighborhood that responds to our neighborhood needs 
and provide them some other mobility options. And so they're looking at, at partnering potentially with some doc, um, dockless systems because they're offering them, you know, an opportunity. So, um, but still those systems have those barriers to access that we're really worried about. They have the requirement that you have a smartphone and they have the requirement that you have a debit or credit, or credit card. So how are they going to address that? Um, we don't know yet. Some of them have kind of put out some things about how they're going to partner with other groups in order to allow this. Um, uh, but but we don't know for sure. Um, I think one of the most um, essential additions to bike share and equity will be uh, integration with transit. Uh, you know, most people especially in big urban places, you know, they have some sort of transit system and everybody has that little card that they can load up. They can load it up with cash at their grocery store. They can load it up uh, with a credit card if they have one and they use that to pay for the bus or the train or the light rail or whatever option they have in their community. Um, But mostly those are not integrated with the bike share system. So we want this seamless system, right? We want people to be able to ride their bike, that first mile connection from their uh, apartment building to the um, train station, you know, three quarters of a mile. And we want them to use the same card to get from the bike share onto the train. But it's not actually an operation. We have little bits that are kind of working in L.A. You know, they have one card. Uh, in Chicago, they got actually grant funding to explore that transit fare integration. Uh, the most exciting one we've seen is in Pittsburgh, where they actually just announced that they're going to give free 15-minute rides to anybody with the um, transit card. So that's pretty amazing, you know, that they're hoping that they can get funding to um, continue to offer that. You know, they have like a pilot period where they're going to offer it, but it's just a 15-minute ride. Hopefully that solves a lot of the first mile, last mile connection. But it's just, all you have to have is that transit card. You tap it, and then you can use bike share for that first mile, last mile connection. That's pretty awesome. But in most places, there isn't that integration, and I think that's essential because who wants to carry another card around? Um, and, and transit has already figured out how to let people pay cash mostly. Um, So that would kind of eliminate that barrier as well. Um, So I think that's kind of the next hurdle in terms of really making it equitable is all those people riding the bus can use bike share really seamlessly and easily. Um, Those are the things that really come to mind. And then just um, as we talked about before, addressing kind of that systemic uh, racism that continues to happen in cities um, so that bike share is truly and authentically seen as an option for all people and the uh, expansion into those neighborhoods where people uh, who are low income live isn't something that really the bike share operators or the you know cities don't consider and it's something that the cities can hold the operators if they're not owned by the city you know to doing. I just had a thought, Zoe, that you prompted talking about kind of the importance and almost necessity of transit integration. And, you know, I think there's fears around, you know, cities that have hybrid bike share systems with dockless systems coming into certain cities or where, you know, communities make the decision that dockless is right for them because they're not being reached by their current public bike share system. But if transit became about a higher focused and you had a card that could go between multiple systems, I feel like that would take down barriers on kind of market share on the dockless side or even having two station-based systems in a city. If your transit card accessed you all of the bike share bikes, even if they looked different throughout a, a city or a neighborhood. 
So sorry, I just want to make sure I understand. So you think that that card that can access any of the modes is a threat to the dock-based systems? or are No, you I actually think it becomes... So let's say, let's use Memphis as an example, and we're able to bring our public transit system up, and we now have a transit card that can access bike share. And then Lime comes in as well, and Spin comes in as well. But if our, if our Memphis residents are able to purchase their transit card with cash, they can pick whatever bike they want to use or whatever bike happens to be in their neighborhood because they have a transit card. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if that can happen. Um, What the implications would be for the dock-based system or for the dockless system, I don't know. Um, I mean, we already have serious questions about whether those dockless systems can survive financially with the really low costs that they're their prices that they're offering. So that'll be a good question to see if they can do it. But for the user, Yes, that would be phenomenal. And that's why we're wondering, you know, a couple systems, a couple of the dock-based system, I'm sorry, the dockless systems have said, oh, yeah, we're going to offer a uh, low-income option. We're going to uh, offer access without a smart card, a a smartphone or without a debit card. And so our question has been like, well, if one of the four dockless systems in the community has that option, but that's not the dockless system bike that you're finding outside your house, then, you know, then what do you do? Um, So I think that integration is really a key point um, for the user. Uh, I'm wondering if we'll find enough collaboration to get there. That's a really good question. Yeah, I know from, you know, Explore Bikeshare side here in Memphis, we've even had, you know, board discussions, you know, do we transition fund development to raise funds to be able to work directly with our public transit system so we can almost pay for them to pull up the integration technology to meet our technology because we see it as as such an asset so do we then you know raise the money and basically gift it to the transit agency to ensure that that we're able to get a a transit integration to to our system is something that we've discussed at a board level wow you guys are really ahead Go Memphis, man. <laughs> we ought to come ah, visit shucks. you. <laughs> You're only ahead because of how far by year behind. <laughs> <laughs> you got to turn that uh, that into a, a benefit, right? I mean, I've heard a lot of systems say, well, we just waited till we could get it right. We watched everybody else <laughs> do it and mess up and make mistakes. And then we came in. It's great to have best practices. They're really nice to have around. <laughs> well, I'm pleased, that we, could, there to, I'm pleased that we could provide that for you. best practices to be established and then launch. You're a faithful reader of the Better Bike Share blog, aren't you, Sarah? Oh, my gosh. I still I Google it all the time. I'm, I'm on it daily. It's up right now in one of my tabs. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great suck up. Thank you. <laughs> um, so we have just a couple minutes left. Um, we've been asking all of our guests, what are you most excited about for the future of bike share in general? There's, you know, it's an industry that's been reinventing itself year after year um, over the last decade. It's rapidly changing. We have all these new players at the at the table. You know, what, what when you get up in the morning and makes you really excited about bike share what about the potential for the future do you have any thoughts on that I would say that in this work what's made me really excited is partnering with 
so many amazing uh, advocates um, on the, not just the bicycling and bike share advocates, but the social justice advocates, um, the people who are really working, you know, where it's happening in these neighborhoods to address really serious and ongoing uh, challenges in their communities. And um, just watching how people that I know that I worked with a few years ago when they were at this group and how they kind of are moving up and spreading out throughout not just bicycling or maybe not even just transportation, but to all these other areas and kind of um, hopefully, I mean, my hope is that we're, because of what we're supporting, we're sort of giving uh, room to bring people up kind of in, you know, we talk about workforce development. And when we talk about it in Better Bike Share, we don't talk about it as like, oh, giving jobs as mechanics to these kids from high risk neighborhoods. We're talking about people going up all through the different levels of um, an operator or getting them hired into a city and bringing their knowledge and expertise from working at that community level to all those places. And, um, that's what kind of really juices me, you know, all the time is just working with these really smart, passionate, committed people who are saying we have major problems and we think this can help address some of them. And then we're going to partner with the people working on all these other problems that are happening in the same communities. And we're not going to say any one of us has the answer, but together we're really working on stuff. And we're, and we're naming stuff that's happening. We're naming problems in our cities and we're naming problems in our, in our um, uh, bureaucratic organizations that are overseeing this. And we're not just accepting that we've got to wait or we have to um, just be patient or accept, you know, the, the pace of bike share expanding in to other neighborhoods. I mean, that's why, even though I have my concerns about dockless systems, I'm really intrigued with this idea that neighborhoods are saying, hey, the dock-based systems aren't coming to us. we got to figure out a solution on our own. And if that is partnering with another, another organization, then so be it. And that doesn't mean, I mean, I want the dock-based systems that have worked, really worked very, very hard to address equity issues to survive and to evolve and and to create something new but i think um listening to those uh neighborhood uh advocates who are really embedded in the community is absolutely critical and um just you know it's been a, a pleasure and a and an honor to work with all those people and you know and i'm not just saying that it's like they do stuff that i can't even in my wildest dreams imagine doing and they get up every day and do it this is awesome so we have a quick question and then a quick comment. Quick question first. What Bike Share City do you think about the most? <laughs> oh, I can't just love one of my children more. <laughs> uh, I think of Philly a lot because uh, I have great partners in Philly. I love going to visit I love seeing all the people I work with in Philadelphia, uh, the people at the city, the Bike Coalition of Greater Philadelphia. Um, so that's the one I probably think of the most. But of, of like my grantees, I probably shouldn't say because then it sounds like I love one the most. I think about Chicago a lot because <laughs> Chicago has has a lot of challenges, um, and yet they've been working just super hard to to stand up and face them and and make it better every day. Thank you for not declining to answer that question. <laughs> and I love my, my kids equally. My quick <laughs> comment is to the guests, 
I would encourage everyone listening, even if you're not involved in Bikeshare, to really look at the Bikeshare, better, the Better Bikeshare Partnership blog at betterbikeshare.org, because I think all of the community engagement tactics that are being used within Bikeshare systems are really social justice tools. And so I just find myself using it not only through a Bikeshare lens, but as a um, all the blog posts, I think, are just like incredibly valuable when you look at kind of just making change in your city and it can be applied to things outside of Bikeshare. Thanks for that plug. Zoe, thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah, this is easy, right? Oh, piece of cake. Yeah, this was fun. <laughs> thank you. I hope I wasn't boring. I feel like that was boring. I, I wanted to make more jokes. Zoe, yeah. we're not boring. You've got time for jokes. You guys have five more minutes. You can just fill it up with jokes. No, I, you should see how, how many cables I have to pack up before my next Oh, God. <laughs> it's like it's like a recording studio in here. <laughs> Can you imagine that I tried to set up both of those mics in Montreal by, all by myself and my I, technical skill is zero? I, yeah, I was sort of freaking out for you while, I was, while you were trying to do that. So Zoe's, um, Lisa Nakowski and I literally sat like in my Airbnb in Montreal sharing one microphone and like sipping rosé and it was so fun but also like really really awkward it was Share, sharing headphones too she, and sharing yeah. headphones oh, that's close we were we're bonded for life now hey i didn't get any rosé where's my glass of wine kyle Ooh. kyle we're still at, we're still on the clock oh yeah we got some champagne we, up there we do have some though we could, shelf. We could go get it. we got lots of beer but neither of us drink beer so that's well, not going to be helpful the Bike Nerds Podcast is a joint production of the Bike Nerds, Sarah, and Kyle, and the OAM Network based in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, visit theoamnetwork.com slash thebikenerds. Want to nerd out more? Find us on the web at thebikenerdspodcast.com, on Twitter at thebikenerds, and on Facebook, The Bike Nerds Podcast. Drop us a note or recommend another bike nerd to have on the show by sending us an email at thebikenerdspodcast at gmail.com.